preach a sermon today. Oh, the possibilities. Oh, the possibilities. Uh, things. What types of things can we throw our might to word uh, and then do those things that are right? Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, uh, do it. Do it with thy might. So I want to look at uh, just this, this passage. Uh, we will go ahead and look at verses 1 through 12, kind of just go verse by verse and make some comments and then ask three questions about uh, what sort of thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Oh, the possibilities. Let's pray together. Lord, we, I just ask that you'd meet with us. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, the, the music that, that stirred our hearts, drew our attention to you, Lord. I pray that things that draw our attention to you would not bore us. Sometimes we're cold, we're selfish, Lord, and our hearts are aimed other directions, as we heard in the testimony. Uh, sometimes, Lord, our hearts are pitched uh, toward things down here and not toward those uh, eternal things or the, the weighty things. I pray that you'd help us with those things. Uh, I pray, Lord, I, I, have, I believe I have thoughts from you to share. Uh, Lord, I just pray you'd help me not to trip over those thoughts as I try to express them. Lord, speak uh, to me and through me to these folks here today. Lord, we need you. I pray that you speak to hearts. I ask you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it. Do it. With thy might. So let's take a, a trip through, uh, starting there in, in verse 1. Uh, there's some, Ecclesiastes has some tricky uh, verses in there. So let's just kind of uh, take some context, look at some things, and ask ourselves some, some questions. Remember, the one writing Ecclesiastes was Solomon. Uh, he had a wisdom unlike any other. And so as we uh, tear into some of these truths, uh, we're hoping to... Uh, I don't know, learn some deep things that can help us as we ask ourselves, what should my hand be find, finding to do? And then getting busy about those things. All right, so verse 1. I'm going to go verse by verse and then just stop. So don't get too much momentum, you know. At the end of a verse, we'll stop and make a comment. So verse 1. Uh, For all this, I considered in my heart... To declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. So it, it talks about the, the righteous and the wise, uh, their, their works being in the hand of God. Now it's, it's nice to be a believer, isn't it? John 10 verses 28 and 29 tells us that the believer is in the hand of God, in the hand of Jesus and of the Father. No man can pluck them out. It's wonderful to be saved. It's wonderful to belong to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 23, um, uh, what we know the Lord is my shepherd. It's nice to be in his flock, to be in his hand. But the works of the righteous are in his hand. It's far better to look to him than to try to live my hope, uh, live my life, hoping he won't interrupt it. Uh, sometimes, even if we do acknowledge God, uh, it's kind of, Lord, please keep an eye on me and bless what I do, rather than, Lord, help me to keep my eye on you and seek your blessing on the things I'm submitting to you to do in my life. I belong to you. Now, an illustration, my kids belong to their, to me and, and their mother. 
Um, but on a Saturday, when mom's excited about all the things that can be done around the house, my children aren't as excited. And you'd say, uh, you know, uh, my wife, hey, you know what, last night we had a fun family night, but today we're going to get some things done. You know, mom has intentions for me, and she's excited about her intentions for me, and quite frankly, I am less excited about mom's intentions for me. Boy, my, my Saturday, my heart is set to some loafing. My heart is set to some of those things that interest me. Mom has other plans. And instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to hide from her intentions. I'm going to run from her intentions. It'd be so better. If, hey, mom, what are we hitting today? I love you. I value you. And uh, you'd say, yeah, the day that would happen. And, and we can hope. <laughs> As parents, we could hope. But you know what? God has intentions for Christians, and sometimes we run from those. And it's far better the sooner you get up and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Oh, the, the honor it is for my works to be in your hands. May today be about what you want for me. Um, the righteous person is one that learns to entrust their future to one who holds it. Verse 2. All things come alike to all. And we, we know that rain falls on the just and the unjust. It tells us that in Matthew 5, 45. All things come to, alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked. We're talking about death here. Death comes for everyone. Uh, one event comes to the righteous and to the wicked, to good and to the clean, to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth, to him that sacrificeth not, uh, as is the good, so is the sinner. He that sweareth, as he that feareth an oath, death comes to all. And because of that, no, everyone in this room and everyone that breathes on this planet right now, death is steadily moving closer. Second by second by second, everyone, everyone, it moves closer. And everyone is aware that it's moving closer. And so there are two different types of people that draw separate conclusions. Because death is coming for me, I better live this life and squeeze all the pleasure out of it I possibly can. Because death is coming my way. All they see is death. And I better live this life for myself. The wise person looks beyond death and sees the giver of life. I have right now. And it's because of that one I'm going to stand before. Brian talked about it. Corinthians. Uh, the believer is going to stand at that judgment seat of Christ. The unbeliever is going to stand at the great white throne judgment. There is someone on the other side of death and everyone will stand before him. Is your heart aimed at the death? That's moving for you. And your conclusion then is, I better squeeze all the joy and, 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 and pleasure for me that I possibly can because, ah, death is coming. But where is your heart aimed? The wise person is aimed at the other side of death. I'm going to stand before that God who gave me my life. I really should be honoring him with the life that I have because he, after all, was the one who gave it to me. In verse 3, we talk about the person that he's aimed at the wrong place. He just sees that death coming closer. He says, this life is all about me. 
This life that I have, it says in verse 3, this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. And there is one event unto all. Yea, also the hearts of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that they go to the dead. Since I'm going to die anyway, this unwise person thinks. I might as well squeeze everything I can out of this life for myself. Because death is inevitable. Most men seek an escape from this truth by drowning it by means of pleasure and indulgence. They choose madness and evil. They're like the ostrich with its head in the sands of pleasure, hoping those realities of eternity will work themselves out while I ignore them. And it does not work that way. Verse 4. For him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Right now, we have a chance to affect eternity. Right now. But once you step into eternity, that chance is gone. You ask a young person, would you rather be a dog or a lion? Like, ooh. (laughs) Ooh, I think I'd rather be a, a, a lion. Big and ferocious king of the jungle. But Solomon asks it a little differently here, doesn't he? Here in Ecclesiastes 9.4 he says, For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Would you rather be a living dog or a dead lion? And you think, well, a dead anything can't affect anything anymore. So I guess... I'd rather be that living dog. And we're not talking dogs of today that become part of the family and more cherished than your own children. Uh, I'm not, we're, not, we're talking about those, uh, those animals that were just, ah, get out of here. You, you, you know, uh, get out of here. <laughs> you, you unwanted little creature, get out, you know, the dog in, in the Old Testament. But hey, to be that unwanted little scruffy thing, as long as there's life, that means you can, you have, you, have, you can affect some things. So while there's life, right now, we talk about eternal rewards on the other side of death. There are advantages on this side of death that we can make use of, and we better take them seriously. Only the living can hope, aspire, plan, and enjoy the blessings that God has given us to enjoy on this side of death. There are some things that we won't enjoy on the other side of death. And I'm not, believe me, I'm looking forward to heaven. (laughs) But there are some things now that we can make use of, that we won't be able to. Even simple things, like it says in Ecclesiastes 5.12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my kids don't want to get up, um, and they don't want to go to bed. And, it, and it's the opposite with me. Uh, I'm like, oh, you know, my, you know, my pillow, that's wonderful. Heading toward it at the end of the day. My wife will tell you last night, it was like, oh, <laughs> I love being here under my blankets. This is wonderful. And then I, and then I, it's almost a game I play with myself. I try to pull out some reading. And then in the morning, try to find out where that book landed. Um, uh, and again, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Even, even uh, Thomas in the New Testament, there was a special blessing. Uh, Thomas, he said, now that I've seen you, I, I believe. And Jesus said um, in John 20, 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. You know, there's a blessing for those you and I, I've never seen God. 
but I'm going to live like he's real and he's good. There's a blessing that we, on the other side of eternity, we can't enjoy that blessing. But right now we can enjoy the blessing of Lord. I can see with the eyes of faith. And I'm going to live this life like what I see with my eyes of faith is more real than what I see with these eyes right here. And there's a blessing. And that's a blessing that we can only enjoy right now on this side of death. Verse, verse 5. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Uh, and of course, it's, it's not talking about uh, we cease to exist on the other side of death. But the, but the dead know not anything of some of the anticipation of looking forward to those things on the other side of death. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. So we're here and we're gone. Brian, again, he was, he was talking about how quickly this life just comes and goes. Um, boy, the anticipation we get to enjoy right now. Are you like me? So if you're a little bit older, I love looking forward to Thanksgiving so much that the day is here, there's a little bit of disappointment. It's like, oh no, it's slipping away already. Christmas Day, right? Christmas Day is here. Oh, oh no, I've been looking forward to this so much. And second by second, it's, 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 it's escaping me now. Oh, the anticipation. And you know that, that well done, thou good and faithful servant. We get to anticipate and allow that anticipation to shape the way we live right now. Right now, the thought of standing before him and maybe hearing all the anticipation that we get to enjoy on this side of death, if those eternal things will be a reality to us. Verse 6. Also their love, their hatred, their envy. Down here, all the things I loved. All the things I was passionate about. The things I hated. Uh, the people I envied. Uh, why do they get that? I should get that. All the things we're passionate about uh, down here, eternity has a way of balancing out what truly was important and truly wasn't. All their love and hatred and envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Their chance to affect anything down here is forever gone. The things we loved, the things we hated, the people we envied. Eternity has a way of sorting out what really was important. Then verse 7. We have a new paragraph. He said, go thy way. Eat thy bread with joy. Drink thy wine. That's the fruit of the vine. That's that grape, uh, grape juice there. Uh, drink thy wine with a merry heart for God. Now accepteth thy works. Here the Bible is saying, uh, enjoy the life that a good God gave you because he loves you. In life, death is coming toward us. But don't look at the death alone and say, I better, uh, my time is waning. I don't know how much I have. I better live it for myself. Beyond that time, beyond that deadline, is the one that gave me the life that I live right now. He wants you to enjoy it, keeping in mind that he gave it to you. And then that should define what enjoying life actually means. The one who gave it to me. I better honor him. Um, uh, Psalm 118.24. God wants us to enjoy our life. And the way you enjoy it is remember who gave it to you. 
Psalm 118.24, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So, back in verse 3, some had decided, boy, we're going to die anyway. Might as well squeeze all the pleasure out of this life as, as possible. It's all about me. It's all about me. They, they sing. That's their motto. Their lives. When you, when you live your life aimed at the pleasures of sin, remember the wages of sin is death. When your heart is aimed at the pleasures of sin, your heart is aimed at death. Death coming your direction. And your heart's aimed at that instead of beyond that deadline. <sighs> Instead, we should live joyfully the life that God has given us, never forgetting where it came from. Knowing that God, the great giver of life, has favored us with our life. Live life like you have a good God who loves you. Can I say that again? Live your life like you have a good God who loves you, that gave you that life. Don't ever live your life as though God has forsaken you or forgotten you. That's where faith comes in. Where is your life aimed? Verse 8. Let thy garments be always white. And let thy head lack no ointment. Um, I think he's saying, don't, don't live your life like you're an uncared for orphan. Clean up. Dress up. Look like you have a God who loves you. Yeah, and that's again. I've, I've shared that with you before. When my when my kids look uncared for, you know, in the morning, heading out the door, the hair is askew, everything's askew. And my wife, hey, come over here. You can't walk out the door looking like you don't have a mother that loves you. And God says, don't you walk around like you don't have a heavenly father who loves you? You do have a heavenly father. Look like it. <laughs> Let thy garments be always white. Let thy head lack no ointment. And then again, you, you don't dress up for your glory. My wife wants the children looking like they have a mother. So, oh, look at you. You look cared for. Uh, God wants us to go through this life looking like we're cared for. Not dejected. And, uh, if only people. I don't have anyone who loves me. It's like, why would I join your church? Oh, man. I've got a good God who loves me and takes care of me. Life is so good. Whether therefore you eat or drink or Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when you dress up, it's to say, I belong to Him. Not look at me. Look at me. Look at my fancy duds. No, no. He says, dress like you have someone who cares about you. But dress for His honor and His glory. Verse 9, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy vanity, which He hath given thee. Um, uh, the wife that He hath given thee. A good spouse, that, that gift from God. He hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life. And thy labor, okay, uh, it's a gift from God, that, that, that spouse. Uh, and in thy labor to help with all the work which thou takest under the sun. Enjoy your spouse. Live happily with your spouse. That relationship is another thing we won't enjoy in heaven. All right? It's a special relationship. Uh, young people who aren't married yet, don't rush into anything. You make sure you let God bring you that spouse. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful relationship. And we're not going to know that. That's, that's, a, that's a blessed relationship. Yesterday I was in my office working on this sermon. And my wife brought me chili. Brought it to my office. 
And I didn't ask her to. She thought, I have a husband. He might be hungry. She brought me chili and oyster crackers. Oh, and you know, the, the, the meal was wonderful, but even more than that was, Lord, thank you for someone who loves me. What a blessing. What a blessing. Verse 10, here's our verse. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. And I think you get the idea. The context is, we have right now to affect eternity, don't we? Well, the, well, the Bible says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? This is the last chance we get to do that. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where, where, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and, and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust, they don't corrupt and where thieves can't. This is the last chance we get to do something. To lay up treasures in heaven. We have the choice right now. Will I lay up treasures and heap them unto myself? Or will I show God he's more important than what I can get for myself down here? This is the last chance we get to show God. He's more important than the things I can heap up unto myself down here. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, be diligent in this life. Because now is the only time I have to work and plan and gain wisdom and knowledge. Of course we will worship and serve God forever. But think about it. This is our last chance to show him. When when the world offers that sinful pleasure and say, "Uh uh-uh, he's way better. Oh, how much that honors your God. And this is the last chance you get to show him that. Enjoy it. And say, Lord, you're way better. Thank you that you give me the strength to say no to those things. Thank you that your Holy Spirit showed me how to see the value in the better things that you have for me. And I can't do it without you. But thank you. I need you. I love you. Verse 11. Um, I returned... And saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Isn't that a funny expression? Time happens to us. Time happeneth to them all. It's like when Mr. Haiti says, uh, don't get old. I say, well, Mr. Haiti, I I think that's a side effect of breathing. And if I'm going to keep breathing, I think getting old is just a part of it. It kind of goes along with it. Time happens to us. Time happens to us, doesn't it? And time and chance happeneth to them all. Uh, the, The race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. Time happens to all of them. Abilities isn't going to be a guarantee of success, is it? You may have speed, strength, wisdom, skill, skill, but death comes for us all. Even disease cuts health short. I was just looking at the news a couple days ago, watching this family as they lifted this 15-year-old boy out of his bed into his wheelchair. He was just a, a healthy 15-year-old in some disease, got hold of him, and now he's paralyzed. You, with some strength, and you're going to flaunt God? Look, look what I can do, and I don't even need you. Look, look at all the things I can do. I, uh, my, my sister has a, a childhood friend, Rachel, grew up in Utah. 
She, she married a good young man. Uh, he, he was a youth pastor, just full of, full of uh, opportunity ahead of him. He, he, got, one of, he got one of those diseases. He, he became a, a, a vegetable. He's trapped in his body. He was paralyzed the whole body, not just from the neck down. Trapped in his body, just he can see and, that, and little else. For months and months and months and months and months we prayed, and finally the Lord took him home. But you're going to flaunt? Time happeneth us to, uh, time and chance happeneth to them all. Verse 12. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Just like the fish that doesn't know it's about to be caught, just like the bird that doesn't foresee the snare, human beings are caught unawares by death. It falls suddenly upon us. Expect the unexpected, they say, right? But is that really possible? The best thing for us to do is to entrust our lives to the one who cannot be taken by surprise. So we come to our verse, and hopefully a lot of that context has given you some idea of what this verse means. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with, my, with thy might. Let's ask three questions real quickly as, as we wrap things down. Wind things down, wrap things together. <laughs> Number one, what is possible? What is possible? Um, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. So the first question, what is possible? After all, we can only do what we can do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do refers to the, those things that are actually possible. Uh, I like the beginning of the, the serenity prayer. Uh, serenity has the idea of, 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 of calm and, and peace, the state of being untroubled. But the serenity prayer that you see on the walls of, of people sometimes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, Part of obeying this verse is asking, so what can I get busy about? There's there's some things you can't get busy about. You can worry about the things you can't affect. Or you can say, God, show me what I can affect and help me get busy with those things. Spurgeon said, "There there are many things which our heart findeth to do that we shall never do. It is well, um, it is in our heart, but we would be eminently useful if we must not be content with forming schemes in our heart and talking of them. We must practically carry out whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Don't make bare your heart and dream of great things. Make ready your hand and seek to do them. Like the woman you know, the, the pastor would preach on giving. And at the end, she'd say, Pastor, I, I aims to start giving like I should. And then the next week, the pastor would, would preach on serving. Pastor, I aims to start serving like I should. And then he would preach on soul winning. And Pastor, I aims to... He'd say, Sister, all this aiming, it's time you pulled the trigger and you shot. What is possible is the first question. But by the way... You're not the judge of what is possible, are you? 
If God tells you to do something, you say, well, I, I, I heard a sermon by Pastor Mitchell and he said only the things that are possible. And I've decided, I mean, Brian Haiti up, up here giving a testimony. There's part of him that said, I can't do that. I can't get, he said, nervous? That's an understatement. I can't do that. But he, he felt the Lord would have him do it. All right, so make sure you let God be the judge of what you can do. There in Matthew 14, Peter walked on water. It seemed impossible to him, and normally it is. But if God says walk on water, it just became a possibility. Get to it. There in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If he wants you to do it, he can make it possible. The first thing, what is possible? Secondly, when? When is it possible? We mustn't wait. Get to it now. We don't know if we have tomorrow. Get to it. Um, Of course, Nike, they say, just do it. But more than the mantra or the motto of an athletic store, the Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it. Do it. So should we sue Nike for stealing that idea from Solomon? Life is short. You don't know how much you have. So get to it. Get to the things that would honor God right now. Later on in this, in this book, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Right now. Right now. So when? When? What's of thy hand finally to do? Do it. When? Right now. Right now. Uh, so Job talked about the brevity of life. He said in, in chapter 7, verse 6 of Job, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 102, verse 3, My days are consumed like smoke. Um, time is short. We have, to, we have to balance eternity and the brevity of life in this life. James 4, verses 13 through 15. Go to now, you that say, "Ah, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city. And continue there, "Ah, maybe a year, buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life that is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away? For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this. Or that. One commentator said, Let us not wait for large opportunities or for a different kind of work, but just do the things that we find to do day by day. We have no other time to, in which to live. The past is gone, the future is not arrived. We shall never have any time but time present. Then do not wait until your experience has ripened into maturity before you attempt to serve God. Endeavor now to bring forth real fruit. Serve God. Do it promptly. Do not fritter away your life thinking endlessly of what you intend to do tomorrow. As if that could recompense for the idleness of today. No man ever served God by doing things tomorrow. And the last question. Who really makes it possible anyway? Who? Where does that might come from? Every ounce of strength I have is from God and because of Him. But he, he gives us our might and His gift comes with 
intentions. If I say, son, for Christmas, I want to give you a rifle. That gift, you better believe, comes with intentions. I'm going to train you how to use it, and I want you to honor me with what I intend you to do with my gift. You know, shoot, uh, go hunting, shoot some targets. Certainly, uh, don't put people at harm. My gift comes with intentions for how I want you to use it. And you better believe that when God gave you your might, he has intentions for how he wanted you to use it. In fact, we know that. He mentioned it, and I actually wrote it down here. Uh, There in 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to stand before God and give account for what we did with the might that he gave to us. If we honor Christ and are blessed, it is by the things which we do today. Whatsoever you do for Christ, throw your whole soul into it. Do not give Christ a little slurred labor done as a matter of course now and then. When you do serve him, do it with heart and soul and strength. Boy, for me to live, I love that song, for me to live is Christ, to die again. To know his will and walk his narrow way, to know what he wants And then walking in his will. There is no peace, no joy, no thrill like walking in his will. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So real quickly, where is your heart aimed today? Do you know that one on the other side of death? Everyone's going to stand before him. He gave you your life He gave you the might that you have. Where is your heart aimed? Are you thinking that death is coming and I'm just focused on all that I can squeeze out of this life for me, for me, for me? Oh, death is coming. And when you're aimed at death, the wages of sin is death. Pursuing that pleasure, living life aimed at just all that I can get. Oh, it's far better to aim just beyond. To think of the giver of the life that all of us will stand before, honoring him. Do you belong to him? Are your works in his hands, like verse 1 said? Are you in his hand, like John chapter 10 talked about? My sheep hear my voice. They're in my hand. They're also my father. Are you in the hand of God? Are you born again today? Have you turned from your sin and repented of those things and and ask Christ to wash your sin, the areas of your life that you've rebelled against God and His way? Have you surrendered your life to Him in salvation? Do you belong to Him? And then believer, are you really living your life set apart to the desires, the intentions of the one beyond death who gave you your life anyway, and all the might that he allows you to enjoy. How are you doing in those areas? Boy, this passage was a blessing and a help to me. I hope that the Lord used it to give you something today as well.